Good morning, everyone. If you have your Bible with you, will you take it out, please, this morning? As we get ready to study the Bible together, will you go in your New Testament, please, to John, the 20th chapter? I want to ask you to go to the Gospel of John. And I want to ask you to look with me at verses 30 and 31. John 20, verse 30. The Bible says this. Therefore, Many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. I want you to notice how in addition to being a great and powerful teacher of the word of God, the Apostle John tells us that Jesus was also a man of miracles. He was also a man, a man of signs. He was also a man who performed many miraculous signs throughout his three-year ministry. This is actually an aspect of Jesus that we're going to begin studying together in our Bible classes beginning on Wednesday night. This morning, in a few minutes from now, we're going to conclude our series of lessons about the last week of Christ, and this Wednesday evening, Lord willing, at 7 o'clock, we're going to begin studying, we're going to begin studying about the miracles of Jesus. We're going to study the miracles of Jesus. We're going to study several Specific miracles that he performed throughout the land of Israel, in fact, to help prepare us for those studies. This morning in this study, I want to give you six powerful facts about the miracles of Jesus. I want to give you six things that we really need to understand and that we really need to keep in the forefront of our minds as we engage in these studies about the miracles of Jesus over the next several weeks. And here's the first thing that I really want us to understand. The first thing that we really need to understand about, about the miracles of Jesus is number one, we need to understand that the miracles of Jesus are a core aspect of the gospel. They are a core aspect of the gospel. If you remember a few weeks ago in one of our Bible classes, we mentioned something interesting about, about Thomas Jefferson. Remember, Thomas Jefferson is the third president of the United States of America. He is one of our founding fathers. He is considered to be the principal author of the Declaration of Independence. In fact, not only did he author the Declaration of Independence, but Thomas Jefferson also constructed his own Bible. He also constructed what is referred to today as the Jefferson Bible. You see, unlike your Bible, unlike the Bible that you're holding in your hands this morning, unlike the Bible that hopefully you read and study every single day in the Jefferson Bible, you're not going to find the miracles of Jesus. You're not going to find the miracles of Jesus in the Jefferson version of the Bible. You know why? Because Thomas Jefferson did not, did not believe that Jesus performed miracles. 
He did not believe that Jesus did supernatural things. Now, he believed that Jesus was a good man. He believed that he was a good moral teacher. He believed that he was a good philosopher and maybe even a great Jewish rabbi, but he did not believe that Jesus did legitimate miracles. He did not want his version of the Bible to include the miracles of Jesus. He actually wanted to accept Jesus apart from his miracles, but brothers and sisters, you, you can't do that. You can't legitimately do that. You cannot legitimately accept Jesus apart from his miracles. They, they're a package deal. They're a package deal. You see, like the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus are core aspects of the gospel. So are his miracles. So are the miracles of Jesus. In fact, before we go any further this morning, how about we just pause for a moment or two and carefully define our terms? Let's define very carefully what we mean this morning when we use the word miracle. My dear friends, when I use the word miracle this morning, please understand that I'm not using it like the world uses the word. I'm not using it like our culture uses the word. I'm not using it to refer to any and everything under the sun. I'm not using it to refer to a quarterback who may throw a 60-yard touchdown pass to win a football game. I'm not using it to refer to a pilot who may be able to land a plane in the Hudson River. I'm not even using it to refer to a precious and innocent baby that may be born into this world. When I use the word miracle this morning, I'm not using it to refer to any and everything under the sun. Instead, when I use the word this morning, I'm using it the same way the Bible uses it. I'm using it to refer to supernatural things. To refer to things that supersede natural law. To refer to things that cannot be done without the direct intervention of God. That is how the Bible uses the word miracle. And that's how we're using the word this morning. We're using the word miracle in the same way that the Bible is using the word miracle. You see, when the word miracle is thrown around to refer to any and everything that impresses us, not only do we misuse the word, not only do we abuse the word, but we also diminish the word. We also diminish the biblical meaning of the word. We also diminish the kind of stuff that Jesus did in his ministry. You see, in the Gospels, Jesus, Jesus is said to have done real and legitimate miracles. He did real supernatural signs that cannot be duplicated today. In fact, we need to understand that Jesus did those real legitimate Miracles for a reason. In John chapter 3, verse number 2, when Nicodemus, when Nicodemus came to Jesus at night, he said to Jesus, Teacher, we know that you've come from God. For no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. Nicodemus didn't know exactly who Jesus was when he met with him, but he at least knew that he had to come from God. 
He at least knew that this man had to come from God because he's performing real and legitimate miracles. Now you put that with what John says again in John 20, verse number 30. In John 20, verse 30, it says, Therefore many other signs, that's miracles, Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Notice how in those verses, John tells us exactly why Jesus performed miracles. According to what John says in those verses, the reason, the chief reason why Jesus performed miracles was to confirm his identity. It was to confirm his identity as the son of God. It was to give us sufficient evidence to believe that he is who he claimed to be, that he is the son of God, that he is the Lord, that he's the Messiah. You see, my friends, without the miracles that have been recorded for us in the gospel, we would have no real and legitimate reason for believing in Jesus. We would have no real legitimate reason to believe that he is who he claimed to be, that he is the son of God. You see, if Jesus did not provide us with supernatural evidence to back up his supernatural claims, we would have no reason to believe that he is who he claimed to be. We would have no reason to believe that his moral standard is the right standard for our lives. Jesus himself says that in John chapter 10. In John chapter 10 in verse number 37. In John the 10th chapter in verse 37, Jesus said these words. He says, if I do not do the works of my father, do not believe me. But, but if I do them, though you do not believe me, believe the works, believe the miracles so that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. Notice how Jesus says that the miracles testify of him. They testify that he's everything that he claimed to be. They testify that he is, in fact, someone who came from God. You see, if Jesus did not really come from God, if Jesus was a fraud, if Jesus was a deceiver, then he certainly would not have been able to do supernatural works by the power of God. Only a man speaking the truth about himself and the will of God could do the kinds of things that Jesus did. Jesus performed miracles to give us supernatural evidence to back up his supernatural claims, and we need to understand that the miracles, in addition to confirming his identity, they also give us great insight into his heart. Oh, yes, they give us great insight into the heart of Jesus. While it is certainly true, while it is certainly true that the main reason why Jesus performed miracles was to confirm his identity, we need to also understand that the Lord's performance of miracles on several occasions were also divine acts of compassion. They were also divine acts of grace. They were also divine demonstrations of God's ability to remedy the suffering the man, that man experiences in this life. Can I show you a few examples of that? Go on in the Bible to Mark. Go to the Gospel of Mark, please. Mark chapter 1. I want to show you something in Mark chapter 1. 
In Mark chapter 1 and verse number 40, in Mark 1 and verse 40, the Bible says this, a leper, this is someone with a terrible skin disease, a terrible flesh-eating skin disease. A leper came to Jesus, beseeching him, begging him, and falling on his knees before him and saying, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Verse 41, moved with compassion. Notice that, moved with compassion. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I'm willing, be cleansed immediately. Just like that, the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Notice how compassion moved Jesus to help this man. I want you to go to Mark chapter 8. Look at Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8 in verse number 1. In verse 1, in those days when there was again a large crowd and they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples and said to them, I feel what? I feel compassion for the people because they have remained with me now for three days and they have nothing to eat. If I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. And some of them have come from a great distance. And then he goes on to miraculously multiply fish and bread to feed thousands of people. Compassion led him to do that. Now, go to Luke chapter 7. This is one of my favorite accounts in the gospel. I really like this one. Luke 7 and verse 11. Luke 7 and verse 11 says, Soon afterwards, he went to a city called Nain. And his disciples were going along with him, accompanied by a large crowd. Now, as he approached the gate of the city, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a sizable crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, when the Lord saw her pitiful condition, he felt compassion for her, and he said to her, Do not weep. And he came up and he touched the coffin and the bearers came to a halt. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. Do you see the point? Do you see the compassion? The compassion attached to the miracles of Jesus? Do, do you see how in addition to confirming that he did come from God, that he is the son of God, the miracles were also supernatural demonstrations of love and grace and mercy and compassion. They were not avenues he used to boast. They were not avenues that he used to brag and say, look how much better I am than you. They were not avenues that he used to get rich. They were not avenues that he used to get to get a lot of money in, in his pocket. You see, unlike what you find today with guys like Peter Popoff and Benny Hinn, Jesus didn't charge people for miracles. Jesus didn't say, well, give me a hundred denarii and then I'll do a miracle. Give me a hundred denarii and then I'll take your leprosy away. Jesus didn't do that. Unlike what you find with these fake healers, and yes, I said the word fake, not faith, fake healers. Unlike what you find with these fake healers today, Jesus did not use his legitimate miracles as an opportunity to get rich. He didn't use his legitimate miracles as an opportunity to get a lot of money in his pocket. His legitimate miracles, when you look at the motives for the legitimate miracles of Jesus, those motives were always pure. 
They were always noble. They were always righteous. They were always completely void of any kind of corruption. They were always demonstrations of divine authority and grace and compassion. And they were also instant and recognizable. They were instant and they were recognizable. In other words, when people 2,000 years ago in Israel saw Jesus perform a miracle, they didn't have to wonder or guess, was that really a miracle? Was that really something supernatural? No, the people 2,000 years ago didn't have to do that. When they saw Jesus perform a miracle, they knew they were seeing a miracle. They knew they were seeing a real and legitimate miracle. They knew that because they could see the miracle with their eyes. They could touch the miracle with their hands. And in the case of the feeding of the 5,000, they could even taste the miracle with their mouths. People who had life-threatening fevers and leprosy and who were paralyzed and blind and had severed limbs and who were deaf and mute and even a man who, who had his ear cut off. These people were instantly healed by Jesus. They were healed just like that. They didn't have to go home and pray about it for several hours before the miracle finally kicked in. They didn't have to wait three or four days to experience the power of God. They didn't have to go home and go through some gradual process before the miracle finally came to fruition. No, according to what the gospel says, the miracles of Jesus were instant. They were fast. They were immediate. And they were seen all over Israel. They were seen all over Galilee. They were seen all over Judea. They were even seen in places where the Gentiles lived. They were even seen in the land of the Samaritans. Jesus' miracles were not done in secret. They were not done in some private room somewhere. They were not done in some little corner of the world. Instead, they were done in front of hundreds and sometimes thousands and thousands of people. Multitudes of people saw the miracles of Jesus, and they could not deny the miracles of Jesus. In fact, not even his own enemies could deny them. They could even deny the miracles of Jesus. Go in your Bible to something very interesting. Matthew chapter 12. I believe what we find in Matthew 12 is probably the most powerful evidence we have that Jesus was doing real miracles. This was the real deal. I think this is the most powerful case we have right here in Matthew 12. Matthew 12 and verse 22. Matthew 12, 22 says, then a demon possessed man. Notice how during this time you have demon possession taking place. You don't find this before Jesus and the apostles. You don't find this after the time of Jesus and the apostles. Demon possession is going on during this time. A demon-possessed man who was blind and mute was brought to Jesus, and he healed him so that the mute man spoke and saw. All the crowds were amazed and were saying, This man cannot be the son of David, can he? But when the Pharisees, and you know how the Pharisees felt about Jesus. When the Pharisees heard this, they said, This man cast out demons. Notice that language. This man cast out demons only by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. Notice something interesting there. Do you see it? Notice how even though these men couldn't stand Jesus, 
They hated him, and they were always trying to diminish his influence and get the people to turn against him. Even though these men were always trying to trap Jesus, one thing they could never deny is he was doing real miracles. They could not deny that he was really casting demons out of people. Instead of foolishly denying his power, which was undeniable, what they did was they foolishly then questioned the source. They say, yeah, yeah, he's doing, he's doing miracles. He's casting demons out of people, but he's only doing that by the power of Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. You see, unlike me, a man who totally denies that guys like Peter Popoff and Benny Hinn are doing legitimate miracles, the enemies of Jesus could not do that with him. The enemies of Jesus could not deny that he was doing real miracles. Instead of denying his power to perform miracles, they foolishly denied him. They denied him as the son of God. They denied him as the Messiah because he ultimately was not the Messiah that they wanted. Jesus' miracles were instant and recognizable. And let me also say that his miracles didn't always involve faith. Oh, no, they didn't always involve faith. They did not always involve the recipients of the miracles having faith. They did not always involve people having faith beforehand that he was the Son of God and the Messiah. There are several examples we have of this in the gospel. Let me just show you a few. First, I'm reminded of the case of Jairus' daughter in Mark chapter 5. That should actually say Mark 5. I'm sorry about that. Mark 5, 38 through 43. When you go to Mark chapter 5, you read about the, the time when Jesus raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. Do you remember that account? Remember, Jairus was the ruler of the synagogue. He was someone who was highly respected by the Jews, and he had a little girl, a 12-year-old daughter, who had died. And Jesus came with him back to his home, and he raised his little daughter from the dead. He raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. Now, while Jairus, listen carefully, while Jairus may have had faith in Jesus beforehand, and he certainly did. I think it's safe to say that Jairus' daughter did not. She did not have faith in Jesus' ability to raise her from the dead because she was already dead. She's a dead little girl. Dead people can't have faith. Jairus' daughter did not have faith beforehand. Before Jesus raised her up from the dead, and we can also say the same thing about Lazarus in John 11. And we can also say the same thing about the widow from Nain's son in Luke chapter 7. In each and every one of these cases, you have Jesus blessing people. You have Jesus raising people from the dead, even though they're not able to demonstrate any kind of faith beforehand. You have those examples there, but then you put that with that blind man. Remember that blind man in John chapter 9? Remember that blind man in John 9? He didn't even know who Jesus was before Jesus gave him the ability to see. And then in the case of Malchus, remember Peter cut Malchus' ear off in the Garden of Gethsemane. We have no evidence that Malchus demonstrated any kind of faith in Jesus before Jesus restored his severed ear. 
You see, on many occasions, on many occasions, Jesus' miracles required absolutely no faith. It required no faith from the recipients of the blessings. And I think that's an important point for us to point out because so often these modern fake healers today, they'll, they'll tell people, they'll tell people that the reason why they have not been healed of an affliction after they lay their hands on them is because those people don't have enough faith. They'll, they'll lay their hands on people and they'll say, well, well, you would have been healed of this if you just had some faith. You don't have enough faith. That's why you're not being healed whenever I put my hands on you. That's what they'll say so often. They'll say people are not being healed today because of a lack of faith. But when we study the ministry of Jesus, we learn that on several occasions, he blessed and healed people apart from their faith. Sometimes people's faith was necessary, and other times it was not. Jesus' miracles did not always, did not always involve faith. But then the final thing I want to point out about the miracles of Jesus is the miracles of Jesus ultimately should have a powerful impact on our lives. They should have a powerful impact on my life. And they should have a powerful impact on your life. The miracles of Jesus should ultimately strengthen your faith. They should ultimately increase your faith. They should ultimately confirm your faith. They should ultimately give you confidence and assurance that Jesus is who he claimed to be. He is the Lord. He is the Christ. He is the son of God, and when you give your life to him completely, you're making the best decision you could ever make in your life. The miracles of Jesus should give you assurance and confidence in the identity of Jesus, and they should also give you assurance and confidence that his religion, the religion of Christianity, it is the one true religion. It is the right religion, and all these other religions they're wrong. Islam is wrong. Buddhism, Hinduism, atheism, they're all wrong. They're all error. They're all ultimately religions of the devil. The miracles of Jesus should give you assurance and confidence in the religion of Christianity and the, the miracles of Jesus should ultimately give you confidence in Jesus' ability to help you in your life. I mean, think about it. Think about it. If Jesus has the power to raise the dead, if he has the power to reach into the realm of Hades and pull out its victims, if he has the power to give sight to the blind and heal lepers and walk on water and calm terrible storms with just a few words, is he, if he has the power to cast demons out of people, is there any problem that we experience today too great for him to help us with? Is there any trial that we face today that is too great for him to help us with? Is there any storm too great that may pop up in our lives? For him to, to take away and deal with. The 
The miracles of Jesus should ultimately give us assurance and confidence for him to help us in every aspect of our lives. The miracles are an important part of the gospel. They show us the power of Jesus. They show us how when Jesus was on this earth 2,000 years ago, he had power over any and everything. He had power over death, power over Hades, power over, over leprosy, blindness, bread, nature, Satan. He had power over everything in this physical world. He was indeed a mighty man of miracles. The question is, do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus has the power to perform miracles? If so, are you allowing that supernatural power that he demonstrated 2,000 years ago to lead you to faithful service to God? If not, then it's time to allow the miracles to lead you in that direction. It's time for you to allow the supernatural power that Jesus demonstrated 2,000 years ago to not only strengthen and increase your faith, but ultimately lead you to faithful obedience to God. So there's someone here this morning who needs to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ for the first time through faith and repentance and baptism, or if there's someone here who needs to come back to Jesus because you wandered away from him. Whatever spiritual need you may have this morning, it would be our pleasure to help you with that right here and right now. Come to the front. Let's stand. Let's sing together.